Hey everyone, welcome to the Between the Bytes podcast. We're bringing together everything business leaders need to know about IT and technology, from cybersecurity to networking, disaster recovery in the cloud, and beyond. We're running webinars, guest podcasts, live videos, and more, and we're bringing it here together in audio format in this podcast feed. Thanks for joining us, and now on to the episode. Um, to start us off, uh, I wanted to introduce our panel today. We've got some some uh, awesome members of our Executech team uh, joining us today. Uh, at the top, we've got DJ Dorf, who is our CEO at Executech. Uh, DJ has a, a cool background in technology, uh, and he's very passionate about the intersection of people and technology. Uh, and while his, during his tenure at Executech, he's helped us become more focused uh, on uh, driving forth uh, new initiatives with data, and and metrics and for providing greater careers at people at Executech. We also have Chris Noakes, our CTO at Executech. Uh, Chris has been at the company um, almost 10 years now, maybe over 10 years, correct me there if I'm wrong, Chris. Uh, and Chris is known uh, in-house as, as the Google. He's very smart and intelligent when it comes to all things IT. We're excited to have him with us. And then we also have Michael Pearson, who's the Senior Vice President. Uh, he's out of our Sacramento office. Uh, Michael was the founder of DSA Technologies, that's now the Sacramento office, uh, and he has a wide variety of experiences in IT management, uh, cloud, and consulting as well. So we're excited to have everyone here and welcome them. Uh, I'll turn my, my camera over to Michael, and we'll go ahead and get started. Oops. So the first thing I wanted to do is, is kick off some questions uh, and get things rolling. And I'll take a first, uh, push, put a first question out there to, to you, DJ, and, and ask you, you know, what, what do you see as the outlook for business in the coming months? Obviously, things have been very different. Things have changed a lot due to COVID. What are you anticipating being the situation for businesses in the next in three to six months? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, as we see things slowly starting to open up, depending on what you know geography your business is in i think for some there's an expectation that we're going to return back to normal in terms of financial performance or picking up any projects that were put on hold or revenue that were lost and my sense is is it's probably going to take a little bit longer than a lot of people anticipate and as a result as a business leader the thought shouldn't be okay let's just go back to how things were in january and february it should be doubling down on what's allowed the business to get through the last couple of months. So that would include narrowing your priorities and really doubling down on those, making sure that internally you're clear on, look, these are the top one or two things that we're really trying to accomplish as a business right now and not spreading yourself too thin with a bunch of new investments or new initiatives. Um, you know, there are certainly some companies that have done very well during this time, or there are certain companies that will, bounce back quicker than others um but i would you know for fellow business leaders out there i would definitely encourage them to take the long the long game approach and recognize that this may be a little bit more drawn out than they anticipate and at least how that you know translates um to what we're doing at executech you know we're really focused on just making sure that we set those clear expectations with our team members um, so that they know that we're going to continue to prioritize um, moving forward just as we have the last couple of months. Awesome. Thank you. M Michael, do you, do you have anything to add about what, what you're seeing is, is what's going to happen over the next three to six months? Yeah, I think the big deal that we're seeing in California is that there'll be a very slow migration back into the office. So the work from home model that we've 
help clients get to, that's going to exist for quite a while. And, and in some cases, our clients are telling us it's just going to stay that way. So we're expecting to continue to support that from a security standpoint, from a mobility standpoint. I think the other thing that we're working with clients on already is understanding how to tighten up their purchasing um, and how to work with their vendors and, and, and just help them get better about managing their costs on the IT side as they're looking at an unsure rest of the year. Great. Uh, let me let me transition a little bit to the more IT side, uh, and let me ask uh, Chris what what is what are you seeing as the outlook for IT, whether that's uh, in-house ID, uh, IT departments or just how we're using technology in general. Uh, what do you see coming in, in the next few months? Yeah, so <clears throat> kind of like Michael alluded to, like I think we're going to see a continued demand for work from home. Um, that's, that's still happening. Like you said, it's not going to go anywhere. Uh, it's not going to go away, um, necessarily overnight. Um, I think we're going to see a continued evolution of collaboration tools. So, you know, many, many of us have all gotten used to using whether it's Teams or Zoom. Um, and we're going to see a little bit of an evolution happening there. You know, everything from like, Hey, there's creative backgrounds, but like, you know, how can we include more people and make larger grids? Um, it's also, it's also interesting. I had a conversation with uh, a client yesterday about um, a need that they're looking at realizing that this is probably, you know, this changes things a little bit. Things uh, are going to, um, we're going to be in this mode for a while. They're looking at, you know, Hey, how do I, in our conference room, we have remote teams, like, how can we implement a TV wall where we've got multiple, you know, TVs across a whole wall? And how do we uh, have multiple people on those Zoom meetings or those team meetings? You know, so I, I think we're going to see more, more of that kind of thing. Um, yeah, that's interesting. And, and, you know, Michael, likewise, are you seeing anything like that where it's sort of a new uh, use of an existing technology within this new environment and situation? Yeah, I think we're the, the same thing that Chris talked about. Certainly people are looking at how do we make our office space become more of a gathering space where we can have these larger conferences and we're pulling people together. Um, I think the important thing for us is helping our clients also prioritize where they're using their IT spend. Certainly we, we want to make sure that given this uh, change where people are working remote, we're not necessarily finding ways to cut on security, which has become more important. But if there are other areas that they can cut around their hardware on site or other pieces like that, that's probably a better option for them. So we're just trying to help them manage those and, and make sure that they keep security forefront because that's been critical. It's a great point. And, and we will dive more into, into those type of questions around uh, whether it's hardware or security ways to, to cut costs or increase efficiency. Uh, let me transition here to to a different line of questioning briefly. And uh, let me ask you, DJ, what is... What is one takeaway that businesses can learn uh, in terms of the reaction to COVID? Um, you know, maybe if you could go back, you know, four or five months and warn yourself, what would you say? What would you uh, have done differently or prepared for? Yeah, I mean, what we're seeing is that on the business side of things, companies that were in a position of strength prior to COVID have been able to weather this storm a lot better than those who are kind of surviving month to month. And so to that end, you know, prior to COVID, most economies uh, across the U.S. and across the West were seeing really positive results. And that was trickling down to a lot of our clients, a lot of our partners. And 
it can be really tempting during a time of boom to put even more chips on the table to double down your aggression. And you certainly do need to spend money to make money and you want to be an opportunist to a certain to a certain extent. But a lot of them were not putting in reserve, um, you know, rainy day savings, just like you would in your own personal life. And now it's kind of that day of reckoning for them. And unfortunately, we can't go back in time. But a big lesson to be learned is, you know, we, there is going to be an upswing. The economy is going to be booming again, whether it's a year from now, three years from now, five years from now. And the temptation is going to be just the same then as it has been for the past couple of years, which is to live on the edge a little bit financially, maybe not reserve as much um, as companies should. And my hope is that more companies will make an investment in making sure that they're financially stable during times of plenty, because it's not a great idea to wait until a bust period to start making those changes you need to be financially stable. Yeah, that, that, that's great insight. Uh, Michael, do you have anything to add on your end from what you, you saw in your office around what the takeaway could be or how you would have reacted differently? Yeah, I completely agree with DJ. We were a very conservative group, so we were in pretty good shape. I, I think the key for us was just um, really appreciating how flexible our team could be uh, when we needed to cut costs or when we needed to be more careful about how we were managing schedules. They've been great about it. So, um, and, and we're seeing that our clients that had a more flexible team that that took advantage of the ability to work from home and, and kind of embraced the the change, whether for, for good long-term or if it was going to be difficult, they've seen the best reaction, they've seen the best results and rebounded the fastest. Those that really struggled with it and waited till the last moment continued to, to struggle through it. So I think it all, all just depends on what your mindset was before and how, how agile you were as a company. Yeah, that makes sense. So let me dive now into sort of the, the, the core of, of our discussion today, and, and that's around uh, using technology to reduce costs. And, and we'll kind of go through several different uh, areas of focus uh, in terms of how you might use technology to reduce costs or, or increase efficiency. And, and, and let's start here with, uh, you know, what are some, and, and this is kind of for the group, but, you know, I'll throw this first out to, to maybe Chris. What are some high-level steps a business can start taking now to use technology to reduce operating costs and costs in general? Yeah, so I mean, I think it would it would be good maybe to step back and take like a um, you know a ten thousand foot view just of the needs of the organization. Um, and one thing that's really common is, uh, especially before you know before COVID. Um, a lot of organizations were already using products that were in the cloud, right? But what's really common is we find that people had, they might have Box, they might have Dropbox, they might also have some people using Google Drive, right? Um, some people might have been using GoToMeeting as well as other people might have been using Logman. So I think consolidating a lot of that um, into using like, well, what is going to be our preferred solution um, rather than having this mix of like, uh, multiple solutions that different uh, areas or departments or people may be using um, makes a lot of sense. And that's probably, you know, a great place to start. I mean, this is a little bit of a plug from for Microsoft, but Office 365, I think they kind of saw, you know, um, as part of their vision, right, before all of this hit is like, how are they going, they were trying to come up with a solution where it was almost kind of like a one size fits all, where you know, we'll build this into Teams where 
but we also are going to layer in SharePoint, right? Within SharePoint's backend, I mean, there's then there's OneDrive. So a lot of these pieces kind of fit together. So I think just looking at like what's what do you have, what's the need, what makes most sense, and how to consolidate. Great insight. And, you know, same question over to, to you, DJ, what are, what do you see as some of the high level steps a business could start taking to save, to save on, to, on technology costs? Yeah. Uh, a cousin of Chris's comments would be, you know, the word roadmap or to plan. I think a lot of companies, a lot of business leaders have felt maybe a little paralyzed, a little panicky over the last couple months. And when you're feeling like that, oftentimes you will put aside some of the more discipline driven tasks that you normally would take. So it could be putting off your one on one meetings with your employees, it could be putting off annual reviews, it could be changing the way that you're setting goals or just not setting goals, not holding people accountable. And part of that is planning and road mapping. And I think the temptation is because there's so much uncertainty because we don't know how long this is going to last or how it's going to evolve that some companies and some leaders are just actually not planning at all because they find it very challenging to plan. And in fact, the opposite is true. During times of uncertainty, that's when you wanna double down on planning. That's when you wanna make those investments and in setting up that IT roadmap. So in terms of saving costs you know, for the rest of the year, which I think is a big priority for um, you know, everyone attending this webinar and, and all, certainly all the clients we're working with, you know, sit down, write down what are your strategic goals for the rest of the year? How does technology relate to those? How is technology going to help you accomplish those? And what is the gap between the technology you have today and the technology that you need to get there? And as Chris mentioned, you know, consolidating the tools you're using is a big part of that. But that planning process will make sure that you're making the right investments so that you're not over-investing in one area that's going to drive up a lot of unnecessary costs or inefficiencies and that you're also not under-investing in other areas where it's going to come to bite you in the future and it ultimately leads to greater expenses as well. Yeah, great insight. I mean, a roadmap and a plan can't be overstated. Michael, do you do you have any thoughts on, on, on a plan? And, and maybe, you know, do you have any thoughts on where, where you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm a business owner, where do I start? What should be, you know, the first couple of things to focus on in terms of a roadmap plan? You know, one of the things we've been doing is meeting with our clients and looking at IT, what they would refer to as IT in general. So yes, it's the software side it's, and it comes down to the planning, but they're leaning on us to say from an IT infrastructure standpoint, and that could include um, our data lines. It could include what we're doing for DR. It, it, it includes our copiers and, and how those are connected in. Will you help us talk to our vendors and understand where we can cut costs in general so that we do it wisely and we're spending some time with our clients going back through that and bringing in key partners and just trying to help them reduce their overall technology cost across all of those areas and and that's not an area that they're familiar with so it's really appreciated by them that's great and, and as kind of a follow-up to that question you know speaking specifically to maybe the the physical infrastructure uh, around it uh, that help you know that supports a company what are some ways uh, that a company could or an organization could start saving money now on on maybe new hardware or existing infrastructure. Yeah, I think for some of our clients where they're looking at the question of am I buying new servers now, one of the things we're addressing is do you need to do that? Do you need that hardware spend or are we just going to continue expanding out into the cloud? 
Uh, Chris had talked about, you know, using Teams and we're storing files in SharePoint. So we're really questioning whether or not we should be buying the hardware in the first place. Can we save them money by not doing that? Typically, when you're buying hardware as opposed to going to the cloud, you're buying for the next three years where the cloud gives you that great ability to only uh, pay for what you use. So this is really something that's important for us as we're working through that with them and saying, do we need to have this hardware expenditure now? And if not, how is the cloud and how are we going to use these other resources to be able to offset that cost? And that's that's going very well for us and, and really helping them save. That's awesome. And so uh, let me ask uh, Chris here. Chris, you know, technology ha has always been used as, as a tool to make things more efficient and, and hopefully in many cases to reduce costs. Um, but how is it different now in the light of COVID and, and especially with work from home? Are, are, there, are there new ways that people are using technology uh, that they hadn't before that's even more efficient? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think uh, it's probably just more of an emphasis and it's probably just more of a uh, something we're focusing on now, right? And some, just kind of go back to the previous question and Michael's comments, like um, something that I think really gets overlooked and just because the it hasn't been top of mind is licensing. Like very often when, um, you know, there's a need for new infrastructure or uh, even just like moving something to the cloud, like there are a lot of licensing options that just, they they get overlooked, you know? And a lot of times when the hardware is purchased, that per the hardware is purchased with software assurance. Um, and so taking advantage of things like software insurance can, um, you know, really lend towards cutting down the cost of, you know, uh, any new investment or any change that you need to make. Like if you're moving infrastructure to the cloud, um, you could take advantage of it. Specifically with Azure, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, if you can bring your own license, you save significant amounts by moving to the cloud. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And, 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 you know, this is this is kind of the transition into, into our next slide a little bit, but you know, Chris, what are some of the, what are some systems or technologies or even softwares that you would recommend? You, you've mentioned, you know, Microsoft is one, uh, but are there others that you would recommend a company start implementing that would facilitate uh, working from home, working more efficiently, and may end up being a cost saver as well? Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's a few actually. There, um, so there's a program that we use at Executech uh, called Warranty Master. Um, I think it's something that hasn't really been leveraged, but, you know, as we're talking to the clients, uh, it's something that comes up in conversation, um, especially, you know, we saw there was a huge need for uh, immediately purchasing laptops. You know, many clients wanted to give their employees laptops. Well, um, Warranty Master gives the ability to, to kind of track that, right? So, you know, uh, have a better idea of what's your What's your refresh cycle look like um, for equipment? So, I mean, that's that's one. Another one would be like leveraging Intune. Uh, so Intune, um, there's a lot of different facets of it, but uh, it does have the, um, one of them is a program called Autopilot. And Autopilot lets, gives you the ability to um, save time when something uh, is purchased and needs to be provisioned uh, uh, so that it comes pre-configured. Like it has your organization stack that you need and configured for for somebody out of the box. Um, I mean, those are just a couple of thoughts and ways that you know 
things that existed before, but there just wasn't a lot of focus on that. I think now we're seeing that those are coming up more frequently. For sure. DJ, let me ask you, is, is, are, are you seeing things uh, that you, or are there things that you would recommend maybe on the operations or the uh, administrative side in terms of system or technologies that could help increase efficiency? Yeah. So for us, I mean, it's really about making sure that you have one go-to tool for collaboration. Uh, this goes back to the consolidation point before, instead of paying for Microsoft Teams, instead of paying for Slack, instead of paying for this chat and this internet and that internet, you know, making sure that you've just got one go-to collaboration tool. Um, and that will allow you to be more efficient in that tool and not have to be spending on this tool for this department, this tool on this for this department, and this tool for, you know, this geography. And that's actually pretty common. We see that at a lot of companies where they have multiple tools that all do the same thing, but everyone in the company isn't on that same platform. And so from just a pure ops admin point of view, just making the decision as an organization that we're going all in on Microsoft Teams. And yes, there are going to be some people who prefer Slack over Microsoft Teams. But given that we're using the Office suite more generally, this makes sense for us. Um, and just, again, making sure that you're deliberate and prioritizing that consolidation. Because at the end of the day, while it's only maybe a couple hundred dollars here, a couple hundred dollars there, over the course of a year, you start talking about thousands, if not tens of thousands of, of cost reductions. Great point. And, and Michael, any, anything you'd add on, on that final point and question there? Yeah, I think DJ's uh, comment about Teams is important. One of our clients, the, the biggest challenge was loss of productivity as they went initially remote because they were using so many tools. So the question became, where did the conversation happen? Where did the file get uploaded to? And once we centralized them, they happened to be centralized on Teams, at least we knew where the data was, where the chat was happening, and their ability to set that up properly. So that, that's really critical just to avoid wasted time, uh, which is, of course, uh, wasted dollars. Fantastic. Thank you. Well, let me let me transition a little bit here to um, our next idea around reducing costs with, with using the cloud. Uh, and Michael, let me ask you, how can a, how can a company go about saving money? Uh, on existing hardware and infrastructure costs. Yeah, so again, I think we talked on that a little bit uh, around just the ability to buy what you need when you need it. Um, when you're buying hardware, typically if you're buying significant hardware, if you were putting together a, a server SAN situation, you're buying for what will last you three to five years and you're buying that today. With the cloud, we have the ability to grow into our spend, which makes a lot more uh, sense. And, and then it also provides us the flexibility to protect us from situations like we're experiencing. We don't have to then build out the infrastructure to support everyone connecting in the remote to our specific office. That infrastructure for all intents and purposes is already built in the cloud and we just have to be able to connect in. So the cloud certainly from a, a hardware um, offset standpoint to building your own data center, uh, own data center makes a big a big difference and, and certainly something everyone should be looking at. The smaller organization, the easier that is. Are, are you, Michael, and maybe Chris as well, are you guys running into situations where, you know, a client or, or organization has had to scale back uh, and now they've got a bunch of unused hardware? Uh, what would you recommend in that situation, you know, proactively uh, going forward? Yeah, so, um, I mean, there there's if they already have the hardware, uh, I would first look to say, like, how, how can we take advantage of this? Do we have a DR plan? Do we have 
something already in place. If not, let's leverage some of that infrastructure and let's use it for DR purposes. Um, there's there's uh, there's many ways to still make use of something that maybe has been retired. Um, and if not, I mean, there are programs out there where you can recycle that equipment uh, and you know still get some benefit out of it. Um, somebody will get benefit of the use out of it, and you can actually recoup some of your investment. Awesome. So, so let me ask here about the cloud specifically, uh, and let me ask you, Chris. Well, we'll start with Chris. How is the cloud a more cost-effective option for businesses? And, and this may seem common sense to some, but others may still not, not quite see, you know, how the cloud works and how it could be a cost-effective option. Yeah. So, I mean, this kind of uh, just to expand on what Michael said a, a minute ago. Um, like I usually tell most clients now it varies depending on the organization, <clears throat> but you don't want to be in the hardware business. Um, with, with hardware comes, you have to manage that hardware. That's everything from updates. You have to keep it secure. You have to, uh, you know, you have to make sure that it's backed up. You got to pay attention to the licensing that goes with that. Um, I mean, it's kind of the old paradigm and, uh, the cloud is really, a shift towards let somebody else manage it, you know? Um, and then with that, like whatever platform you decide to go with, the updates are usually baked into it, you know? So you're not, you're not worrying, you know, it's the old, Hey, if I had an exchange server, um, I knew every three to four years, I was going to have to probably look at uploading the new version or upgrading to the next iteration. Right. And so there's a significant cost that comes with that as well as replacing my hardware. I mean, we all know hardware dies, you know, it's not perfect. Um, and that's, uh, that can result in downtime can result in frustration. Uh, if there's not, uh, you know, um, other things in place to kind of provide, um, backup resources or high availability. I mean, these are all things that you have to think about if you're going to, uh, if you're going to own, um, managing that hardware. BJ, let me ask you, what, what are you seeing as some of the obstacles uh, that the business would face, uh, whether just in terms of their infrastructure, their, their situation, or just uh, barriers or fears that they have around moving to the cloud? What's, what's stopping somebody from moving to the cloud? Yeah, so, you know, what's funny is in the IT world, it's our job. We're being hired by our clients. We're working with our partners to help them understand new technologies as they come to the forefront of society. At the same time, there's an understanding among IT experts that you kind of don't want to be the first to try something out because it's not proven, it may not be as secure. And so there's a balance there of wanting to be forward thinking, wanting to make sure you embrace new technologies, but not necessarily always being the first. But that practiced to an extreme leads to people just being very comfortable with what they know. You know, I, I am close friends with many other CEOs of companies that are similar to Executech who provide, you know, managed IT services, managed, um, managed services in general to clients. And for the most part, there is a fear among them as it relates to the cloud because they just, they don't know it. Um, they don't have people on their team that know it. And as a result, what they know is hardware. 
and just doing a hardware refresh every three to four years. And they like that when they do that hardware refresh, they kind of get that big lump sum of revenue that they can recognize. But Executech for many, many years has embraced the cloud. You know, for us, we always feel that it's our responsibility to learn those new technologies so that when the time is right, we can share it with our clients. And so when we go to our clients, usually it's a similar pushback of if they have any internal staff, it's, it's a little bit nerve wracking to think about moving from what you've been doing for the last 10, 20, 30 years to something completely different. There's concerns about what well, is the cloud secure? There's concerns about how it works. Who, what is the cloud? Where is the cloud? As well as, you know, what is this going to cost me because it's a new uh, cost structure. And so for us, we've prepared all of our IT professionals to have those conversations and to handhold the client through those conversations to help them see that it's ultimately a huge win for them, that it's going to increase their flexibility. It's going to allow them to be more efficient. They'll have access to more services through the cloud. It tends to be a lot more secure than just posting hardware at your own um, office. And that ultimately... They don't have to be experts on it because that's why we're there. We work with hundreds of clients, helping them migrate to the cloud, maintain what they have in the cloud. And so on their end, they don't need to understand every little detail. There's a reason why we're talking to them. That's great. And, and a little bit of a plug here. We, we will plan on, uh, you know, we could talk for hours on, on the cloud alone and, and all of its ups and downs and ins and outs. Uh, and, we will save that for another webinar, so stay tuned for that. Um, but but let me ask this, and let me ask uh, Michael, let me ask you, we've talked a little bit about the cost savings uh, related to the cloud in, in terms of hardware and things like that. Tell us a little, bit, uh, a little bit about how the cloud improves general business performance and efficiency. Yeah, so I think one of the key things about migrating to the cloud and, and understanding how you're going to get those benefits is making sure you do a proper assessment up front. I think one of the worst things we see clients attempt on their own is, hey, we tried to move everything to the cloud. It wasn't didn't really work out well. What's different with you guys? And it's our ability to do an assessment of what they have, what systems are going to work best in the cloud, how can they maximize the value of what they're buying when you're buying Office 365 and you're buying all of these other resources um, and you're looking at Azure and and, and can you move to a, a, do, a new model of how you're addressing your servers, all of that's really important. And it typically takes an assessment and a discussion of the business to understand how to do that properly. Uh, the second thing is we like to dispel any myths that IT goes away. And what I mean by that is we, we had a, a law firm that reached out to us and they said, hey, we're going to go to the cloud and get rid of our IT. So we'll never have an IT person, we'll never have support issues and it'll all be fine. And we had to walk them back a little bit to understand, well, yes, there are some issues around hardware and some of the maintenance things you have that go away, but you'll still have desktops. We still need people to provide you awesome support there. You still need VPN connections and security. So there is still some component of IT that has to exist. Um, and and, and, and you'll, you'll, they were gonna outsource that, but still it was that idea that trying to set proper expectations of yes there's cost savings yes there's agility but but let's make sure that we're we're not assuming everything just goes away great point uh, chris do you have anything to add on that last point in terms of performance and efficiency with the cloud or dj as well yeah so i mean this is i was just kind of trying to think of an example right so um one of one of the the huge reasons to moving towards the cloud is that uh 
everybody's got multiple devices, right? Um, so there's less hoops to jump through to get access to your data. You can now access uh, what you would normally on your laptop or your home computer on your phone or your tablet. Um, it's no longer, uh, you know, hey, I've got to connect up using this VPN client and then I got to go browse the file share, right? Like now you can literally just pull up whatever document you need on your mobile device um, and then email it to someone. So um, I think it's, there's uh, there's a lot, there's less hoops to, to jump through to do what you need to get done. And I know that uh, the more there are, I mean, that generally leads towards a frustrated experience for users. Awesome. DJ, any, any additional thoughts on the cloud? Provides is huge. Um, when you go all in on a hardware refresh, that's what you've got. Um, and you've got to make it work or you've got to spend more money on additional hardware. With the cloud, you can plug and play, you can um, put things up, you can put things down and you don't have to wait you know, another three years to get ready for another hardware refresh. So from an efficiency point of view, that ability to evolve in real time is huge. Awesome. Uh, let me just pause real quick and let everyone know again, if you have any questions uh, regarding these topics that we're covering uh, or whatever's on your mind in terms of uh, IT and reducing costs, feel free again to, to ask them in the chat. The chat is open and we will, we'd love to take your questions now or at the end. Uh, let me transition to, to one of our final points here uh, through our webinar and that's, that's on security. Uh, and I'll and I'll start with you again, DJ. You know, most business leaders they understand the importance of cybersecurity. I mean, I think it's it's been uh, at least you know top, at least top of mind, maybe you know a high priority for many business leaders for a long time now. We see it a lot in the news more than ever. But how have priorities changed in light of COVID in terms of cybersecurity? How if how has our approach to cybersecurity changed in terms of business? Yeah, you know, hopefully the biggest change is that it's become more of a priority for other business leaders. You know, it's it's tough because at this time with COVID, um, you know, there might be a lot of business leaders who are feeling that strain on the cost side. And so the thought of making any new investments is really challenging. Um, but security is, is kind of like an insurance policy. And while it's not a, a switch that you flip or, okay, I'm secure versus not secure, it is a risk management game. And now's not really the time to be living on the edge and, and, and playing with the high risk of not being secure. So there's the table stakes of, you know, making sure that you've got the right VPN set up, the antivirus, ransomware protection. But really, given the current situation that we're in, regardless of how quickly your employees come back to the office, you know, the remote workforces can only be an increasingly um, prevalent thing that we're seeing across our partners and our own companies. And so making sure that we're clear on, you know, a bring your own device, a BYOD um, policy, making it clear on what is acceptable for internet usage, um, making sure you've got a data policy, putting in the effort to make sure that as a company, you have those protocols and standards in place. The last thing I would say, um, you know, in terms of where business leaders' heads should be at is now's a great time to do a security awareness training. It, it sounds fluffy. It sounds like one of those things where, oh, I just need to check the box annually and do it. 
but employees represent the greatest security risk to any business leader out there. By far, they are the greatest security risk. And something as simple as a one hour security awareness training, uh, seminar, luncheon, uh, you know, video chat, whatever it ends up looking like can pay off huge dividends. Just focusing on those top three, four, five tips and tricks that will help people to stay secure. Things like, hey, don't click links and emails um, from people you don't know. When you are processing a wire as an accounting department, you need to have a verbal password that you pass off across you know, these two people. It, it sounds simple, and I think probably everyone on this webinar right now thinks that's stupid. Who does that stuff? Well, your employees do, our employees do, everybody's employees do it because it's, it's very common. So rather than assume that, oh, well, my employees know how to act, I don't need a BYOD policy, they know what's appropriate, what's not, um, now is a great time to set those expectations. Great point. And, and I mean, repetition, I think, is important, too. Just because you did a security training six or eight months ago, it doesn't mean that it's that it's really stuck. And, and you, know, you know, people come, people go. And so it's always good to, to have reminders of those points. Uh, Michael, do you have any additional thoughts uh, around that idea of, of, you know, as DJ said, where where leaders heads need to be at in terms of cybersecurity, especially now? Yeah, I think the two biggest examples, and I'll piggyback off what DJ said, was BYOD and um, allowing us to implement a standard set of tools for antivirus, uh, anti-malware, making sure people had the right VPN set up, um, and doing all of those right things. All the systems are patched in a BYOD situation, right? If you if you don't have systems patched, you're vulnerable. So that was really big. I think the other one that um, uh, the other one that became really important for us is is just making sure that I think it was a week into the COVID thing, we were already seeing phishing emails around COVID and uh, fake uh, PPP notices going to business leaders. So that ability to help them understand what looks right, what they're expecting in their email, um, how to identify emails that potentially are problematic and putting in tools in some cases to help them with that is just really important so that they're security aware and, and that continues onward. Great. Uh, Chris, anything to add there? Um, yeah, I mean, just a, a couple points, and this really kind of goes along with, with what DJ and um, Michael have already said. But, uh, you know, I, I, as an organization, we're seeing more and more of this, is to look for a single identity management system. You know, there's a bunch of them out there. Um, Azure AD is, is something that we leverage. Um, and, you know, all the different uh, cloud products and, and things out there, they, they've modernized and they recognize that, they need to be able to plug into a single source um, for identity management so that you can enforce things like, you know, um, privileged access um, or maybe temporary access for employees that need to only touch something temporarily. Um, uh, MFA is, is huge, right? Like we live in a world now where, uh, unfortunately, there's still weak passwords, but even a strong password is not necessarily enough. Um, so MFA is huge to go along with that. Great points. Thank you. Uh, my, my, my other question I wanted to ask uh, the group, and I'll start with DJ, is, is again around security. You know, businesses, you hear the comment a lot that, oh, cybersecurity equals increased costs, or you want me to pay more. And 
but but I think uh, you know what would your response to that be? How can a business still keep cybersecurity front of mind and as an as a priority while still keeping costs low? Yeah, for most businesses, we're not talking about huge monetary investments, right? Now there are certainly some companies that, depending on their industry, depending on the regulations that they're subject to, you know, it can be a pretty significant financial investment, and that's the cost of being in that industry. But for the vast majority of companies, and especially the vast majority of clients that we work with, they're not subject to overly burdensome regulations. So we're not talking about $50,000, $200,000 in security investments. We're talking, you know, $500 a month in the tools that we've all mentioned, you know, making sure that you've got VPNs, that you've got anti-malware, anti-virus, making sure that you've got those policies in place, that you do a training. and really it is that 80 20 principle you know you can get a lot of the value by just some of those low-hanging fruit investments again we're not talking about boiling the ocean because there is always more that you can do with security and as i mentioned before it is a risk management game and you can always invest more to make yourself more secure but it comes at a price and so for us especially because most of the clients we work with fall into that smb size we're not focused on those really expensive investments. We're focused on those low hanging fruit that most of our clients just need guidance working toward. And, you know, our thought is, is that ultimately if we can keep it, you know, you know, $500 a month, for example, for most of our clients, that's pretty digestible when they see everything that they're getting in return. And you think about the value you're getting in terms of security. Awesome. Uh, Michael, anything to add around that idea of, of security, not necessarily as a high cost item? Yeah, I think it comes down to risk mitigation, right? We're, we need to put some value on what does that look like and have an honest conversation about it. Most of the uh, companies that get a, for example, a ransomware or something like that, you're talking about six figures in, in a resolution. Um, so we have to put, it, it doesn't mean you have to spend six figures on security, but what it does mean is that we have to give it some proper attention and understand what that mitigation of risk is. Like DJ said, if we're talking about a few hundred dollars, even if it's a thousand dollars a month and what we're offsetting is potentially a quarter million dollars in, in issues. And we're training our staff long-term on how to be better stewards of the data and of our, our systems, you know, that, that seems well worth it to me and, and most of our clients get that an ounce of prevention as they say yeah yeah uh chris any, any other thoughts on security as well yeah I would, I would just echo probably what uh michael just said which is that you know i just think of the scenarios where unfortunately we've had clients come to us after they've had some kind of an attack and just because they haven't had the security in place and it's just it's just so hard and you feel uh you just feel so bad because you know, the cost of being down, the cost of people not being able to, to work um, for something that, you know, having proper antivirus or anti-ransomware solutions in place could have helped mitigate um, pays off. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as we close out here, I had just a couple more questions. Again, just to, just to the audience, if you have any questions that you'd like to ask uh, of this panel, please let us know in the chat. Uh, to wrap things up, you know, let me ask, let me start with all of you and I'll start with DJ at the top. You know, what's, we've had a lot of great insights. I think there's been a lot of great little nuggets to take away from this. What's the number one thing you would recommend to business leaders 
looking to cut costs and increase efficiency? And I'll start with you, DJ. So a big driver of inefficiency is underperformance, right? Because if people aren't performing at the level that's expected or desired as a company, then you're not getting the value that you ultimately thought you would get when you made the investment to hire that person or train that person. So then you not only are not getting that ROI, but then you have to also then invest additional resources to get that performance level up to what you need as a business. And so as a fellow business leader, actually one of the best things that you can do to increase efficiency and to cut costs is less of a quantitative thing, less of a technology thing, and much more of a people thing, which is making sure that with everyone on your team, they have a clear vision of what success looks like for their role. So we're about to wrap up May. We're going to start a new month in June. If every single one of your employees can adequately answer what a successful June looks like for them, that's a huge win. But the problem is, is that when you ask most employees, hey, you know, come June 30th, if you were to look back on the month of June and say this month was successful, what would that look like? They would offer a lot of vague comments. Oh, you know, we worked hard. We got our numbers up. And unfortunately, most of the time when we see a lack of performance, it's not due to a lack of effort. It's not due to a lack of desire. It's due to a lack of clear expectations. And so now is the time as business leaders to make sure that we are not assuming that we're not taking things for granted. It doesn't mean that we need to micromanage. It doesn't mean that we need to be the ones who are handholding the execution every step of the way. But it does mean that we need to make sure we're having regular conversations about what the end goal is and make sure that the person responsible for pursuing that feels that they are empowered, that they have the resources to go and get it. And as a business leader, if they do not have those resources, it's our job to give them those resources, to provide the training they need, to remove those stumbling blocks. At the end of the day, we cannot force any one person to be successful, but the things that we can do are setting the path clearly before them, making sure that that end in sight is the same one that we have, and ultimately providing that constant coaching and feedback along that journey. Awesome. Great insight. Thank you, DJ. Uh, Michael, same question to you. What's what's your number one thing you would recommend to a business uh, leader looking to cut costs and increase efficiency? Yeah, I think it's it's working with your provider and, and understanding what your entire technology footprint looks like. Again, everything you're spending technology dollars on, whether it's a hardware refresh, whether it's um, your data line costs, if you've not looked at those, those are constantly going down. Any of those costs, make sure that you have someone who's going to work with you on that, be a trusted advisor to help you get the best possible uh, deals and opportunities out there. And right now is a great time to negotiate because in most cases, they're expecting to have their clients come back to them and say, hey, how can you help me be better? Can I get you know more data bandwidth for the same cost or for reduced cost or um, even working into different copier uh, opportunities to, to try to get managed copy down, any of those sorts of things. Where, where we can be better for the clients is, is, is important. Great. Thank you. And then, and then over to you, Chris, as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would echo both points that uh, DJ and Michael mentioned, but um, I think something that DJ said earlier about planning, I think planning uh, is a big part of it. Um, I would also go back to consolidate where you can um, look at what you're currently using and 
you know, uh, ask yourself, does it make sense? And we shift everything from over here to over here. Um, long-term, I think we're going to see coming out of this, some, some technologies that have been around, but haven't really taken off or taken advantage of, um, you know, things like desktop as a service. I mean, like, uh, Amazon workspaces, um, windows, virtual desktop, Microsoft. I mean, those are all things that we're going to see, I think a shift in the workplace towards, um, in the next few years. Thank you. Um, that is the majority of the questions I have for this panel. I don't know if anybody from the audience uh, has questions that they want to submit right now that we can take. Uh, we're about out of our time, though. Um, I wanted to thank everybody who came and watched this. I also wanted to thank our panelists, uh, panelists DJ, Chris, and Michael. Thank you so much for sharing those insights. 